Crime Conversations bring together the biggest names in true crime, recorded live at CrimeCon London 2022, partnered by CBS Reality. For more information on future CrimeCon events, visit crimecon.co.uk. Thank you guys so much for turning up. This is Men's Raya Behind the Mic. These are my friends and podcasting colleagues. We've got Bob from Twisted Britain. We've got Sarah from... Uh, conning the con and stop the killing and like 17 other ones and Gemma from what's up doc so basically in this session we're just going to talk about what it's kind of what we do what it's like to be a podcaster how we feel about it get some uh some kind of trauma therapy going on and <laughs> commiserate with each other just in a very open strange setting where everybody's staring at us which is not something that we're terribly used to as podcasters so the first question I have for my besties here is why did you start your podcast? What was it that motivated you to, to start? And also tell us a little bit about exactly what it is that you do, because each of us have a very different format for dealing with true crime. So I'll throw it to the, the only boy on the row. We'll start uh, down is, there with this Bob. This is the only time I get to speak with three powerful women <laughs> sitting next to me, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm Bob. I'm from Twisted Britain. Um, I am myself and my co-host, who's up the back in the top hat. Um, we record in a pub, um, record a podcast on weird, macabre uh, crime from history. And why did we, why did we start? A, do you know what? It's a tricky question because I've, we've always certainly loved podcasting and, and, and I was listeners of, of, of other podcasters here beforehand. But to me, there was something, missing's not the right word, but I, was, I wasn't listening to stuff that was weird enough, to be honest. Um, and the history aspect of true crime is something that really fascinated me why one case would change essentially how we uh, see criminals around us now and, and, and the law change with that. And while there is episodes of other people's podcasts that kind of cover that kind of stuff, I went, nah, weirder, please. <laughs> uh, and we just literally, my, so Ali's my, my second ghost, the first one ran away. Um, I wonder, I wonder no, why she, that no, never to be seen again. <laughs> but no, she, so she and I went, well, let's give it a go. Let's record an episode and see what happens. And we, we recorded an episode about three years ago and put it out there. And it was met with kind of really nice people, nice comments and folk go, oh, this is cool. So we just haven't stopped. And, and it's an excuse to have a pint on a Tuesday night in the pub. You can't really say no to that can it's you it's for work purpose it's work <laughs> a business expense <laughs> right yeah, yeah and so what about you sarah so mine is a more personal reason that i started so my first podcast is called con in the con and it was actually uh because my sister found herself dating a serial con man. And I was always a really big true crime listener, so I'd listen to, like, Dirty John and Serial, like everybody else did. And when Emma's story happened, I knew that there was a story that needed to be told, and I just wasn't sure what... You know, she was like, we should, we're should we living in Netflix drama right now. And I said, well, you know, I can't do a documentary, but I could probably wrap my mind around doing Garage Band in the Lounge. So I just kind of taught myself how to do it. Um, and, and that was why, because we just really felt the story needed to be shared and to strip the shame from people that are conned and, and really put a light into the dark corners where the con men are able to operate. 
So yeah, that's why I started, and then I clearly need intervention because I've just kept going. <laughs> if you, do, if you do the documentary, she'll review it. Yeah, oh, yeah, true. <laughs> She's pretty harsh. Gone. She might be harsh. <laughs> yeah. And then so Gemma. Yeah. So like she said, I review uh, true crime documentaries, and it's, it's. Uh, I mean. I love true crime documentaries. There's nothing, you know, I wasn't mm. conned. Was, that was it. I um, I was a young mum. I had my daughter really young. Uh, I was just gone 17. Um, she's nearly that age now herself, and it's crazy to think that I had her at that age. But mm. uh, So I kind of put my whole life on hold. I always wanted to be a radio presenter. That was my, my dream. Um, and I had her, you know, and just in that baby bubble. And I said, right, when she's older, I'll once I reared her to a decent age, and, you know, I can kind of... I'll, I'll, I'll revisit it again. So uh, she started in secondary school and um, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go back to college. I'm going to go back to college. So I was I'm 13, nearly 14 years out of education. I was terrified. I was so scared. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, old one. I'm going to go into this <laughs> fucking BA and they're going to go, what the fuck is she doing here? Like, yeah. She's talentless. Like she is, you know. <laughs> like, they're going to, I've serious, serious though, like, Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Oh my god, we had this conversation the first yeah. night. Like, I always think like people are gonna go like they're they're gonna reveal the truth that I have no talent. And I was like, oh my god. And I went in, and they were like, you're really fucking good. And I was like, I oh, know they're just being nice. They're just being <laughs> nice, you know. And then the second year passed, and my grades were getting good. And uh, it was actually my friends who were like my biggest support system. Two of them here tonight, like they're just incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, they were like, you should start a, a podcast. You know, people would love to hear what you have to say. And, Nobody wants to listen to me shy. I don't want to listen to me shiting on. They're like, Jemmy, you should start a podcast. I was like, what would I even fucking talk about? Like, I, they're like, you have an opinion on everything. You never shut up about true crime documentaries. The first words out of your mouth every morning are lads. Have, have you seen? Have you seen the true crime documentary on Netflix? And I was like, yeah, actually that's, and there wouldn't be a lot of work in that, additional work in that. So I started and like, it just grew legs. I couldn't believe anybody wanted to listen to me or care. Um, but four years, as Mark McCabe said in Maniac 2000, four years later, here we are. So, yeah, you just never know. You just never know. But that's, yeah, that's how I started. Do you yeah. not think that's an inherent thing in all po- podcasters? You hear it from everybody, don't you? Yeah. <clears throat> Every podcaster that we talk to says, nobody will like this. Mm-hmm. There's, that, there's something, and I always find it funny that we, we all sit here and go, nobody will like this, but we keep doing it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, 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 and although even when people do like it and you get these nice reviews and and then, you should never check your reviews. I know that, but um, <laughs> no, always he knows he's about to get the school. <laughs> always, um, it's everyone just feels like you got uh, like a cuddle, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah. like yeah. ah, okay, we'll do it again. No. Yeah, it's yeah. really nice to. Um, what's great about crime con and things is you see the people mm-hmm. um, and they come up mm-hmm. and they say, I, you know, I've been listening to you or I just started listening to you and you're like, oh, thank God. There's, <laughs> there's oh. a face and a person and, um, you it's know, not I'm not... It's not only listening to me. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, well, uh, my mother does not listen <laughs> no, to my show. Either, either, she has <laughs> never figured out... She doesn't figure out uh, podcasts. Is she it on the Google, is it? Yeah. Is it on the Google, could you send? Could you send me another link, Sarah, to wherever... It, yeah, on, exactly. It, and then when she... Yeah. <laughs> is that just my ma that does them no, when they're she, scrolling? Yeah. Like, yeah. And my the glasses like, out doing first. Skittles or something. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so in terms of mens rea, I started that five years ago, which seems you're insane. A, you're an OG, I'm really. Not, not quite. I miss out by about a year or two. Mm. So um, not quite. But it was literally, you know, you start listening to, to True Crime Podcasts and then realizing that there are people making these shows 
in their homes. Mm -hmm. Like I remember a specific moment where I was listening to Already Gone, which is one of the OGs, and you can hear Nina's dog shaking in the background. <laughs> you can hear like the little dog tags, and I was like, hold on a second. Mm. If she can do this from her house, and I have a lovely voice, why couldn't I? You, you know? do. You do have a lovely voice. And you yeah. just have this kind of like um, completely un unfounded confidence in yourself that you're going to be able to deal with like audacity and gar garage band and find a mic and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff it, it comes with practice but yeah so it kind of spotted it's the beauty no... of the medium of podcasting yeah. is the fact that literally anybody, anybody can pick can up do a, it. you don't even mm. need anything earlier a set of headphones with a microphone on it and, a, and, a, and, a, and your iPhone mm -hmm. yeah. and you can record a podcast and upload it for free to, mm -hmm. to millions and of different places there's always those people who be like oh you need to get you know this new fancy microphone blah 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 but you don't mm. you literally I started on my phone yeah. in my car because at the time there were three adults and mm. one child living in very close contact with nowhere quiet that I could sit so I'd go out bring a gin and tonic into the back of my car and hope that the guards weren't going to pass by <laughs> because I would be arrested <laughs> and then uh, that would be a whole different story to tell but yeah mm. I'm, that's you know kind of how it started and so I know one of the um, the questions that I get is kind of how what take you know what do you do how do you go about selecting your topics and then pursuing those and researching those and putting them together so I'm going to put each of that to to you guys giving you have um, such different formats in your various shows how do you where do you start where do you get your topics from and then what do you do once you've decided what you want to look into I, I'll go yeah um my first place is, is obviously you've got the internet <clears throat> and, and it's not because we talk about a different case um, but I say case I mean story we tell stories is how we look at it um, and I just put three random words into Google and see what comes up <laughs> like, what? I, that's brilliant what? I do genuinely I put like, give us an example of the um, yeah. words well I was looking one of the cases Ali and I covered recently um, I looked for Axe Crime Sheffield and up came this list, and we didn't cover anything to do with axes. It was just a gateway into finding something that made me go, oh, bet Ali would like that. That's how I find my cases. And as soon as I found it, you have to, to, to me anyway, you have to fully commit to that case. If you start wishy-washing around the sides and going, not sure if I'm going to cover this, it takes an extraordinary amount of time to get the thousands of words written that becomes a script for a podcast. Uh, he's shaking his head at me because he knows I don't write a full script. Um, <laughs> Cut. I barely write notes, to be fair. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the newspaper archives is where I usually go to. You start mm -hmm. on the start on the, the Devil's website, Wikipedia, mm -hmm. and have a read down that to see what the what the, the outlines of the stories are. And then, yeah, the newspaper archives. One of the best things we ever did was sign up to the newspaper archives subscription mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because uh, that contemporary uh, reporting hasn't been twisted by time. Mm -hmm. um, it may be quite spectacular reporting. Some of the things you read are incredible. And some of it may even be incorrect. <laughs> oh, I, there's a huge amount of bullshit in it. Yeah, yeah there is. Um, you, once you've seen a, a fact in two or three different places, I think you can then start to assume that it's yeah. okay. Um, and then, yeah, for me personally, I then go out and see if anybody else has covered it. If anybody else has covered it, I'll listen to their podcasts. I'll watch YouTube videos and then I'll read as much as I can and then not reference that 
when I'm writing. See, that's so funny. Well, I have the clever. exact opposite, is that I, if, if I know that I'm going to cover something or I think that I might cover something, I will not listen to it at all. Uh, I won't. Because, I think you, yeah, you need just, fresh eyes on it, right? I yeah. just, like, I know, like, true crime podcasting as a community is so small. So at least if I can hand on heart say, well, I didn't, I didn't listen to your episode, so I have no idea what's, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, it just on the off chance that I would accidentally be overly influenced by somebody. Mm. I just don't listen to them. Mm. Um, which is easy because not very many people cover the cover the cases that I cover mm. now. But um, back in the day when I was doing UK cases, I'd be ca have to be careful. I'd be like, yeah. oh, that one's really interesting, Paul, but I'm going to skip the episode <laughs> on True Crime Enthusiast this week because yeah. that's on the list. Because he's, he's too good. That's I know. The problem, he's too it? good. Yeah, that's what it is. And he's nice. Ugh, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Sarah? Well, how do I get my content? Um, basically, I go to my family and find out who's recently been caught. <laughs> um, unfortunately. Who are you dating? <laughs> yeah. So the other podcast that I just released recently, Clueless, that you might not know, is a. Um, a month after my sister had been conned, my parents-in-law discovered that they were in one of the largest Ponzi schemes. So, I oh, mean, shit. what the hell? What's wrong with your family? family. <laughs> this is the moment where we realize Sarah is the sensible one in her family and stage an intervention. It's Sarah. She's creating these situations. Exactly. <laughs> it's more like, just don't get too close to me because I've got an opening for a new podcast. No, so it very much was once Conning the Con had come out, the victims of um, the Ponzi scheme, and there was a lot of them um, came to me and said we've listened to Connie in the con would you tell our story um, and so for me I, you know I really just go and for that I was really just taking their stories and um, I don't do a lot of script writing I kind of take all their interviews and then chunk them down into what looks like an episode um, and it's really organic how the story sort of flows through when I'm doing those uh, serial ones which mm -hmm. is Clueless and Con in the Con and then Stop the Killing which is a completely different format so that's episodal and that talks about mass shootings that is brilliant because I don't have to do any of the research because my co-host is former head of the FBI's active shooter program it's her jam I just have to kind <laughs> of like you know turn up and uh, you know I'm a listener essentially yeah. so I get You're to just be what the, the person's listener. doing yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. so cool because it's something that I really want to learn and if I'm learning something on the journey for free I'm just like this is brilliant I get to be the listener and you're doing all the work <laughs> I do the back end so I get you know I yeah. get all the editing and mm -hmm. the rest of given it given the but. choice between writing and audio editing oh. I would choose writing oh, any I, day. I, <laughs> I would choose editing we'll, we'll put a pin mm. in that and come back to yeah. the struggles of audio <laughs> editing in the next question what about uh, you Gemma obviously you are just like basically waiting for Netflix to release yeah. Yeah. literally waiting with <laughs> bated breath for Netflix to drop the latest um, yeah like I mean, it, again, when I started the podcast, we'd already had the resurgence of true crime, which, you know, I define as been kind of, you know, you've like BC and AD, but in true crime, it's like before making a murder and after mm -hmm. making a murder, because oh, that was yeah. kind of the revival. It's That's when we've had a renaissance, because really, right, true crime as a genre, I feel, has really got a bad shtick in the past mm -hmm. you know it's nearly like this dirty word um, and I guess that would be because of you know the way it was reported and the way it was handled maybe in the, the 80s and the 90s right mm -hmm. um, but it was yeah it was kind of like a little dirty habit that you didn't admit to having and then this kind of new more nuanced more um, 
ethical, more, you know, visually stunning way of, of reporting uh, in the medium of, of true crime documentaries came. Um, and that's what I'm about because, like I said, I, I went back to college and what I did actually was um, a BA in uh, TV and film production. So that's my back, the production more so than the crime. So that's what I'll often talk about in the podcast. Uh, and, and I'm a funny fucker as well, so I'll ham it up. But, like, she says herself. <laughs> Just as well. Yeah, when, when you've crippling anxiety, you have to become funny. You have to be able to make a joke out of fucking everything. But yeah, um, so that's what I do. I kind of focus on the production of it, how they're honouring the, the stories of the families, of the victims or survivors, uh, how it's been shot. And look, if it's done in a way that is distasteful, and it can be, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes they can be shot like just so cheesy so you know I go like tabloid or broadsheet kind of style um, so I'll, I'll generally analyse that but yeah it, it tends to be Netflix not always obviously I, I did a live with uh, Colm there yesterday so that was uh, from Sky Crime so um, yeah like I'll collaborate with people as well and, and stuff like that but yeah the majority of the stuff let's call a spade a spade it's coming from Netflix isn't it so uh, yeah that's normally what it is or like the one we yeah, did we had such a, a good time yeah. um, covering the two documentaries that came out at the same time about mm-hmm. the Sophie Toscan de Plantier case yes. um, was really interesting to get both of those at the same mm-hmm. time and go through it and then to be able to not just discuss the crime itself um, but also how it was presented and how it was presented differently yeah. mm-hmm. um, that's not a hat that I usually wear but yeah. like yeah. you know the, the kind of um, the kind of like corny or naff bits that mm-hmm. like the you know the weird shots that they yeah. do and it was just like you know, this is this is really good, but then you shot like that lone sheep in a field, and mm-hmm. like I don't know why you put that in there. Because we're just, Irish at yeah, age, that's why. Like, oh, you know, so lonely yeah, that was. Wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So that so that was really interesting. I know when I started uh, my show, I, I think I knew uh, like about five high-profile pro- Irish cases, and they're kind of where I started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually thought that I would would run out. Um, which was very naive. <laughs> Look, turns out people have been doing a lot of murdering. Mm. There's been a lot um, of bad bastards. A lot yeah. of really not pleasant oh. people. Yeah. They mm. needed, you know, some intervention. Mm. But now that, again, in the newspaper archives, they're absolutely um, invaluable resources. Yeah. And the fact that they're being digitized is, is incredible. Yeah, you can mm. see, like, when you log in and it's like, you know, 10,000 new pages added today. Yeah. And especially there's an Irish one specifically. So then it goes back into, um, like the old like county newspapers like the Leitrim Observer <laughs> and you know the Roscommon Gazette so um, so the only di- difficulty is is that you've to then take all of the GAA results yes. out so you, you do your search and you like take out pitch goals score fixture points yeah. <laughs> because otherwise like all the names are the same yeah. you know you're looking for Sean Doyle between 1971 and 1980 and all you're going to get 13 <laughs> children and they're all called Sean Doyle yeah, yeah. Um, all yeah. you're going to get is, uh, is, is GAA results. It's true. So, um, so, yeah, now I get my stories. Again, like Bob, I would call them stories rather than, than cases from those newspaper archives because you're looking at the page and your eye wanders and you're like, oh, yep. what's that? What happened there? And it's just kind of a never-ending series of rabbit holes, I suppose. You know, when you find yourself on YouTube and you're... Um, you know, you thought you were just looking mm. at the new Nicki Minaj. <laughs> I am, I am a know. subscriber, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I would have assumed so. And the next thing you know, you're kind of like, you know, looking at 
far right extremism. <laughs> Can I ask a question, Sinead? How long does it take you to do uh, your research for one episode? Um, uh, well, if I was focused, <laughs> if I was focused 100% of the time, it would probably take me about 20 hours. For to, one episode? For one episode, yeah. So I write about 10,000 words a week. Which is hilarious because when I was in college and they'd give you like the long essay, <laughs> be like, you've got a 3,000 word essay and um, you'd be like, oh no, I've got 12 weeks to read 3,000 words. So I do mm. like a master's thesis every every week. Every week. It's crazy. Um, just n- nobody grades it, which is nice. Well, they do. Yeah. It's called a well. five-star review <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. Don't, don't look at the reviews, Sarah. <laughs> only only oh, really I, happy people or really upset people leave reviews. <laughs> That's very true, but some comedy people leave reviews as well. Oh, like My favourite one ever is um, great podcast except for the fake British accent. I'm like, <laughs> it's not fake, I've just lived here for a while. So, so I posted that straight on social media. That kind of <laughs> brings me on to my next question, which is kind of like how um, how do you deal with like suddenly you're on the internet mm-hmm. which is oh, yeah. like a cesspit so <laughs> suddenly you've you've opened yourself up to a community and in fact you're inviting a community into yourself how do you deal then with that kind of parasocial relationship that you have with your listeners and you know what are the what are the amazing bits and what are the pitfalls mm. so i think for us Personally, anyway, I, th- I think the hardest part of that is I don't, to be honest, I don't really give a shit what anybody thinks of what I'm doing. <laughs> I- I'm proud of what I put out every week, mm. and if I wasn't proud yeah. of it, I wouldn't put it out. But you, the, the opening up of yourself to, to it is, it involves other people. So I have a young family, and I do talk about them on the podcast, um, not only because I'm proud of what I do, but obviously I'm proud of my family. And you suddenly realise that you're actually opening them up to a world of mm-hmm. cesspit as well. So to counteract that, I made my wife do a podcast with me. Uh, We we recorded an episode, and now she's stuck on it too. Um, (laughs) But I I would say that for a podcast, we're probably one of the worst podcasts in the world at social media. I hate it. But when we do put things out, the the comment that goes with it, that comes from a a listener, you then get to see that that's a person. Mm -hmm. And that person listening to you has Mm -hmm. chosen to take time out of their day. And that makes it all worthwhile. Mm-hmm. The hours and hours of sitting listening to yourself talk absolute shite <laughs> and try and bring that down into an episode mm-hmm. is all worth it if one guy goes, I like that, that was cool. Because mm-hmm. the one thing that I, I find really uh, fun and hilarious about podcasters is that uh, we don't like people. This is one of the hardest things uh, in the world. Yeah, like this, this is, uh, you know, kind of generally we're, we're kind of well except for you two I don't know where you came from but, <laughs> um, you, yeah, you know intro, introvert I mean, yeah, we're very does. solitary folks yeah. we work on our own you know we sit in our you know pajamas or we're whatever well except for Ali and you, <laughs> we're, you we're know generally not the most social of butterflies mm. I suppose so it's kind of you know a thing then to you know have to open a mm. Twitter account and mm. but it is like that feedback that you get can be quite instant and can be quite lovely. So what about you uh, non-wallflowers? What do you think? Well, I think for me, when we did Conning the Con, we spent a whole year seesawing about whether we were going to put it out because it's such a personal story. Mm. And the reason that we were doing it was to to really... We wanted 
the purpose was if we could stop one other person being conned, it would have been job done. So the fear was that there would be backlash on Emma for telling her story. Um, and everybody around us in our family was like, you shouldn't put this out there. It's going to be received really badly. So we would go month to month. One of us would be like, no, we can't do this. The next would be, we should, because if we save one person, it'll be job done. As soon as we put the podcast out, we just got floods of feedback from people that had been affected by it, that had actually um, either had been in a situation like that and really were really like thankful that we'd, Emma had put her head above the parapets and told her story. Um, and then there was this one moment that I remember going, oh, you world of bastards because <laughs> there was a daily mail that had picked up the story and there's always a section of society that you cannot educate in terms mm -hmm. of they've got their own view they're not going to listen to the podcast they read the article and then the comments underneath that i i couldn't i even to this day i have not said to emma have you read those comments because it was all of the things that we were trying to strip back from the misconceptions of mm -hmm. con artists and that the person's naive and that they're rich and they could lose the money so that was probably the the moment that i was like oh that's really dark but overwhelmingly it's been very positive mm -hmm. yeah like I've been really lucky I suppose I, I haven't really had any negative feedback yeah. she's so <laughs> bar one not and yet it's, yeah. and it's a stinker right like this right so this is, this is kind of my claim to fame right so um, I don't yeah I haven't had any bad feedback or, or nasty comments or whatever until I did a review of the document. Bearing in mind, I'm reviewing a documentary that fucking somebody else is making. Like, I'm yeah. just regurgitating what the documentary is saying. I'm not making any startling new claims. Um, but I was reviewing uh, the West Memphis Three. Uh. Mm. And I got... Uh, someone slid into my DMs. Mm. Uh, he shall remain nameless. Uh, but he's the prime suspect in in that investigation. We'll call him T Hobbs. No, that's too obvious. Let's call him <laughs> Terry H, right? Uh, but anyway, yeah, slid into my DMs and like an essay going, you know, if you've done your effing research, da -la 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 -la, and like there was about three DMs like, of this length. I think I screenshot him and sent to you. I screenshot him and sent to everyone. I was like, I fucking made it! I made it! Oh my god! This guy has found me in the south east of Ireland. Yeah. Like, I, I must have made it. So I didn't actually take it as a negative. I put a positive on it. I was a little bit worried he was going to, like, you know, canoe over to Wexford, but I, I figured that was highly unlikely. He'd probably never been out of fucking Memphis. So, uh, yeah. But that was, yeah, I, I kind of... I'm still able to put a positive slant on it. So I have been very lucky. Bar the death threat, I have had no, no. negative feedback. <laughs> Start at the top. <laughs> if you're going to get bad, yeah. go straight to the top with the death threat. It's, it is so um, kind of strange and refreshing to come when you put yourself into the true crime community and, and, and that kind of thing. Just how generally nice everybody oh is. Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, much fun. Because, yeah. you know... I, I am I am a very uh, kind of I like my little bubble that I live in. I, d I don't like leaving my house mm -hmm. all that much, um, and it, it's super fun to know that you're going to go into a place where like everybody's cool, like mm -hmm. everybody's nice. Yeah. You know, for the most part, yeah, you will get people who who complain. And actually, the complaints that I get 
are either that I'm putting on a fake American accent, <laughs> or we are what we are, people, that I'm putting on a fake Irish accent, <laughs> and they kind of come in equal measure. So people either think that I'm pretending to be Irish or pretending to be American, one or the other. Yeah. Um, never, I guess that never strikes them that you know I could possibly be both. both. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I get, which is kind of like, well, you know, mm-hmm. there isn't anything I can do about that. So mm. what's what's the what's You're the You're just point being more? mean. Yeah. You can't change that. <laughs> well, listen, and but, you know, that kind of instant feedback that you can get from listeners on Twitter or on Instagram um, and how nice everybody is, like, you know, with, with COVID over the last couple of years, yeah. like with kids at home and everything that we're trying to manage. And, yeah. you know, you need some quiet to sit and, and, and write a script and, you know, things kind of get out of control. And, um, you know, people are just more concerned with, you know, making sure that you're okay, that, you know, you're, you know. That I always like it when the same person comes back and again and again to tell me how much they don't like it. Because <laughs> really? I can instantly sit back and go, ah, Norman's still a bastard then. <laughs> yeah. Makes me happy. But he's wedded to you. If he's keeping coming back, that's the irony, isn't Just it? Just because right. your mother Suck has issues with you, doesn't mean that you have to bring it to this kind of platform. Yeah. I don't think it's fair, to be honest. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I'll explain at the end. Clapping. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, kind of general true crime, um, I know Gemma touched on this a little bit earlier. There's kind of been a change in how we cover it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from the 90s into the zero zeros and mm-hmm. today. And as you kind of pinpointed, making a murderer seems to have been one one yeah. thing. Serial, the podcast, which, yeah, you know, I think is responsible for a lot of the people <laughs> yeah. that you, you see behind desks, mm-hmm. um, you know, made a big change in terms of kind of investigative reporting, I suppose. And um, I think the another thing that it kind of constantly niggles in my brain is like is what we're doing okay are we allowed to do this Mm. so I know it's something that I grapple with a lot Mm -hmm. kind of the ethics of true crime and how you how you choose to present things Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts folks (laughs) it's one of the reasons that we very very rarely touch on a case in living memory Mm -hmm. it's that level we'd like to offer a level of privacy Mm -hmm. to these people because it's not for me to tell your story Mm -hmm. if I'm talking about Jack Shepard from the 1720s -hmm. he doesn't care Mm -hmm. he's been dead for ages Mm -hmm. 1723 he was hanged Um, but I the way we cover it now is is definitely changed because of access the the ability for the four of us to just pick up our our podcasts and do it whenever we want is is the reason Mm -hmm. The human psyche hasn't changed, though. Mm-hmm. When you go back to cases in history, and you look, let's take Jack Shepard, for instance. He's, it was the case we were going to record last night, but there was a small fire alarm, you know. Um, <clears throat> uh, he was a serial prison escapee. And by doing so, he became a celebrity. People started to go, Jack's escaped from jail again. 200,000 people turned up to watch his execution. At the time, that was a third of London Kate turned out to watch his execution. Good God. People are really weird and always have been. Mm. And the stuff that we're talking about, (laughs) the stuff we're talking about is the thing that you go, Mm -hmm. I didn't do that, but 
God damn it, tell me about a man who did. <coughs> yeah. mm. And I don't think that'll ever go away. People think it's dark to talk about crime, but actually crime, <coughs> excuse me, crime has changed so much of history from, from war to assassination to execution to just serial prison breaks. Mm-hmm has changed it to the point where we've now got fingerprinting and DNA. These things wouldn't be around mm-hmm. without people's interest in it. And mm-hmm. that, to sure. me, I'll, uh, the platform that we have is just an, an, another step in that kind of a momentum towards the dark side of the world. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going so profound, isn't I, it? I know. Uh, well, I feel very strongly about um, on this topic in particular Mm. Um, and I think it's because I've got family members that are the victims in it so my my thing that I hold on to into my heart every time that I do a podcast or think about one is my purpose and each time I think right the purpose has got to be the main driver for the podcast for the con ones stopping other people being conned or giving the power back to the victims Um, and for stop the killing it's if we can prevent mass shootings happening or make the um, eyes and ears of the community actually weaponized to stop it happening in the first time then that's the aim anything else that happens is different we never use the um, victims uh, the killers names in in our podcast Um, and the reason that we do that is we want the victims to have a voice Um, and I'm very much against what I like to call and I I made this term up myself so I might trademark it entertainment (laughs) Um, (laughs) because I think it's really important to um, and actually having said that um, there was a speaker here I've just got that thank you (laughs) (laughs) might need a whiteboard took me a moment there yeah entrepainment but there was another term that um, the Mooney survivor who spoke yesterday um, he coined it and I think it was called uh, was it trauma porn Mm -hmm. and it's Mm. that whole kind of darkness of that people are taking it um and really just want those gratuitous details. And I think that just misses the... That's not me. I can't be doing that. And what I love about CrimeCon in particular is they curate podcasts that have purpose Mm -hmm. and aren't that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And look, I'm guilty of it. Back in the day, I would put anything in my ears... um, podcast wise um, <laughs> that was you know and wasn't so fussy about it because I didn't have that connection necessarily to you know the victims what are you oh, imagining I'm putting carrots in my ears yes. or I'm, glad went, I'm glad carrots. you went with carrots yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking of yeah. <laughs> um, not a euphemism um, so yeah that's 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 me really uh, it's really important to me um, yeah the, the same like Again, like I touched on earlier, I suppose, there is that that kind of snobbery when it comes to true crime, looking down their nose. And I get it, and I think it comes from a previous way of reporting it, uh, that I don't think the new generation of true crime, you know, documentaries, uh, shows, and, and podcasters are taking part in. For the most part, there's always going to be outliers. You, you know, there's always going to be a... A few, a few bad. Um, Just don't name names, please. I don't want to have to <laughs> edit it. <here. laughs> it rhymes. I'm only messing. No, yeah, exactly. So I think there's always going to be that element of it. From from my point of view, why I do it is because I can. I have a voice, mm. and uh, I intend on using it. And not everyone has a voice, and not everyone has mm. the vocabulary to articulate. I'm a very clear fucking communicator. Mm. You, I will never <laughs> mince my words. You will always know where I stand with you, and. I hate bullies. I hate the girls know this fairness. I am mm. a social justice warrior. If I see somebody 
being bullied or taken advantage of. And, and I can see that they do not have the voice stand up themselves. You may bet Gemma Delaney is going to go in and go, here, what the fuck is going on here? And I will stand up for that person, whether they want my help or not. It's got me in trouble sometimes. I don't care. It comes from a good place. But that is me. I have a voice. I can talk. So I will talk for those who can't. I love that. <clears throat> yeah. It's very good. And I can say she definitely does. She fought really hard for a bottle of wine last night. I fought she so did. fucking hard. <laughs> half, it's my half past two liberty. In the <laughs> my social. Four. Yeah. Half four. Time is a construct, exactly. really. Yeah. It is you a know. crime con. Yeah. Time is a construct, <laughs> a crime con, that's for sure. It just like bleeds into one to the next. <laughs> I know for when I'm researching my own show, like I do wonder how... Like, what gives me the right to tell other people's stories? And I suppose, you know, there is that kind of grappling with mm. trying to make sure that you, we remember these people. Um, I think Ireland has had a really long history of not talking about things. Mm-hmm. The, the stuff that goes unsaid. And it can be really hard to then see patterns that emerge over time and what is going on um, to then address those issues and look for Mm. for solutions and especially with crime because like unlike in the states we don't have access to like police files we Mm. don't have access to court records I can't go in and ask for the court to give me a court transcript Um, and in a way that's good your privacy is taken care of mm. but on the other hand that means there's a whole host of people who never experience anything to do with the criminal justice system they've that's never true. been in court yeah. they don't know what it's like mm-hmm. they may just see the cover of a tabloid newspaper and think you know that that's the full story mm-hmm. and you know there's a whole host of of different things that are going on and people that we don't necessarily see or coming into contact with that can set up how a trial works yeah um how somebody ends up being convicted or not convicted based on what the lawyers are doing Mm. um and how kind of investigations happen um and i think one thing that keeps me you know well in line is the fact that Ireland is so small. Um, yeah. You know, you could be walking down the street and walk past somebody who is related to somebody mm. that you've just told, like, the worst day of their lives, mm. you know. Yeah. And you have to really be mindful of that. the fact that it is the worst day in someone's life. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, there's usually two families involved that, you know, whoever has has done whatever it is that they did their whole family has to then grapple with the with the fallout of that and oftentimes losing their entire entire community around them um because it's such a small place Mm. so yeah i do try and be careful but it is still something that i kind of wake up and i'm like I think it's interesting that you talk about the... Like, Somebody the tell me what justice. I do is okay. It is definitely, yeah. <laughs> I'm about to tell you why. You, you, know, you know how much we love your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. When Emma, my sister, went through the criminal justice system, it was our first experience as a family to see what actually justice looked like in New Zealand. And I was really shocked. And one of the things that I found really interesting was that unless you actually have to go through it, you're ne- not necessarily um, going to feel 
whether you've got justice or injustice. But then by putting it in the podcast, I kind of felt, do you know what? Lots of people are going to learn that that is what the scales of justice look like in our country. Mm. And are we okay with that? And if we're not, then we can actually have power to vote the people in that are going to have those, Mm -hmm. that align with those views that we want. Um, So there definitely is power in telling that story because you are unveiling a mm-hmm. sort of a secret that you most know, people don't get to see, but we also have a we have a responsibility as uh, members of society to know who is making those decisions mm-hmm. and what those decisions are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have influence with that, and votes. whether they seem fair or not. Yeah, like the, mm-hmm. the idea that somebody who is convicted of murder could go before the parole board after seven years, which was the law until two years ago yeah. in in Ireland. In Ireland, yeah. Um, so you could crazy. you could yeah. you could be. Um, you could be convicted of manslaughter and mm-hmm. sentenced to 12 years, which you would then have to serve. Um, but if you got convicted of the more serious crime of murder, mm-hmm. you would then be able to go before the parole board. Now, mm-hmm. the, the likelihood that that would happen, that you would be given parole after that period of time, is slim to nil. But that that's that wasn't the point. The point was that it then put the family members of the victims through the process of having to deal with the parole board. Mm -hmm. And then they would have to do that every time the person went before the parole board and say why it was that they didn't think that the the man who killed their loved one should be... um, kept behind bars mm-hmm. and, you know, write these letters and things like that. And there was a huge campaign. I know um, Eileen from the Crime Lapse podcast worked with um, some of the, the family members of, of people who wanted to to change that mm-hmm. law it, and eventually was, um, well, what happened was the, the legislation was passed, but it just hadn't been enforced by the government. The government hadn't, like, changed anything. Mm. They were like, oh, yeah, we've changed the law, but, we're, you know, we're not going to change any of the practices and procedures. Um so, you know, kind of working and living in this space, because you do live it, you know, yeah. um, you're kind of in a position to be able to tell people, you know, this is this is what this is. You know, this is this is the defense of provocation and mm. this is how it ends up being used. Mm. And in sometimes sometimes it seems justified. It seems fair. And sometimes it really doesn't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is what happens in a, in a courtroom. And these are how the victims are treated. Yeah. They, you know, they actually don't have a voice. The person mm-hmm. who is the victim of the crime is not represented in any way in the courtroom, except as, unfortunately, as a piece of evidence, mm-hmm. um, which is really terrible. You can even read it in newspaper um, reporting. They will um, say such and such killed such and such, and then when they go through post-mortem results, the body, like that, you know, that mm-hmm. person is is no longer a loved one. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing that I always make sure is that in the script itself that I refer to the person by name mm-hmm. it's not the body it is yeah. you know this person's loved one yeah. um, so yeah it's just it's kind of hard to to grapple with to remind yourself that actually you know somebody has to tell people what's going on and um, I think in my experience as well which is limited because obviously I mainly review true crime documentaries but I do dip my toe into to real life crime every now and again the most part though the I hear the same thing over and over and over again. I'm going to do this with you because I'm going to show the media how I want to be treated. You know, yeah. I'm going to show, I'm going to deal with someone who, you know, yeah. Yeah. is a, an example of how the media should treat victims. And like, that's great. That is great. It's also sad, I suppose, because of the treatment they've received in the, in the past. But that's something I hear over and over again. It's like when I go, will you do something with me? And they're like, do you know what? You're up and coming. I will do it with you because I'm going to show you, you know, 
how to cover a case and how I wish my case and our, our story, our family story had been covered from the get-go. That's the amazing thing about podcasting, which I love, is that, mm-hmm. the, you know, because there is no kind of bar to entry that anybody can do it, is that it's kind of changed the way we approach true crime mm-hmm. as, mm-hmm. Um, as a topic to cover. We... Um, kind of make sure that we center the victims and that we talk about these these various things. Um, and at the same time, you know, we're engaging listeners and kind of building a community. And, you know, that's it, how we... It is also the worst thing about podcasting as well, though, that anyone can pick up and do it. <laughs> yes, but then they realize exactly how much work yeah, is involved yeah. and they give up. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> So there's, there's um, not too many stick it out to be fair. I think the average is seven episodes yeah. of yeah. a podcast. You said like twenty hours, I would say yeah, easily twenty yeah. hours. Could mm. be longer if it's like something with thirteen or fourteen episodes in it. Hello, yeah. Staircase. I mean like I birthed it. Yeah. Mine was like nine months. <laughs> it was like trimester after trimester yeah, yeah. for Connie and the Con. It was going on and on. So yeah. Well guys, I think that's actually time for us. Um we don't have time to do any questions or anything like that but we will be around if you do have questions you know where we are you know where we are um you can we're find very shy though we find yeah. it hard to talk i know so yeah bear with uh, so and, and i will let you completely behind the mic the reason i got a mild round of applause earlier was we saw some street graffiti earlier and they bet me i couldn't get it into the the, talk, the conversation which was, <laughs> which was norman is still a bastard ah oh, well done, well done. <laughs> and on that note thanks everybody enjoy the rest of your weekend <laughs> thanks for <laughs> You've been listening to Crime Conversations, recorded live at CrimeCon London 2022, partnered by CBS Reality. For more information on future CrimeCon events, visit crimecon.co.uk.